As, uh, as I've been preparing for this time of sharing the Lord's Supper together with you this morning, I've been looking at two passages, one from Philippians 3, 13 and 14, where the Apostle Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Those are great passages to look at at the start of a new year. They, I think they call us to do a couple of things. They call us to look forward and to look back. And, and we do this naturally at the end of a year and the beginning of a, a, a new one. Sometimes uh, we do it, I think, with mixed feelings. Uh, you know, looking back, not everything maybe went like we hoped it would go. Maybe the last year uh, for you, as, as we've heard from some, has been marked by some kind of loss. I, I'd say every year is. You at least lost a year, right? <laughs> at the very least. But it could have been a job, it could have been a, a, a health loss, it, it could have been a loved one, the loss maybe of a dream or a hope that you held on to. Maybe even though you're Canadian, your selected candidate for the U.S. election didn't win. Maybe that's a loss that you went through. Maybe we, uh, someone we loved or someone we trusted let us down this last year. Maybe we let ourselves down this year. You know, just a little. Maybe we're, we're, our, our, our memory of 2016 is tainted just a bit by regret over things we didn't do, mistakes or sins that we did do. And so looking back can kind of have an edge to it. It's, it's not always easy. And looking ahead isn't always easy either. It has its challenges. Just what will the new year hold for us? For those of you who have a, a few years under your belt, you know that stuff happens and that this next year will be marked by uncertainty and change. I mean, who likes change? Anyone? You, know, you like change? Some of it's good, right? Disappointments. Um, I like to think of myself as an optimist generally, but, but I think I'm better at hiding my anxious thoughts about the future. <laughs> I think that's my deal. Looking ahead can be hard too. Uh, these scriptures remind us that looking back and looking forward are best done with Jesus, with the sense of safety and security that comes from knowing him. The one who, who loved us and, as that scripture said, endured the cross on our behalf. We can look back uh, to this last year with all the good, the bad, and the ugly, with neither guilt nor shame because of Jesus and his love and acceptance of us. And, and, and we can look forward without fear or anxiety because of the hope that we have in Jesus. We fix our eyes on him, the, the author and perfecter of faith, the one who, who promises to make things right. Why? Because he made things right. He did that on the cross when he conquered sin, he conquered death. Now, where does he sit after his resurrection? He ascended to the throne. He, that scripture tells us that he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He's on the throne, and he will be in this coming year. What a great hope we have in him. 
And, and so in light of Jesus, we do not need to live in the land of regret or in the land of, of fear. And so as the author of Hebrews and the Apostle Paul urge us, they, they urge us to do a couple things. They, they, they tell us, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Forget what is behind and then strain for what is ahead, that, that, the prize, this prize that we have in Jesus. Um, biblical scholar N.T. Wright uh, uses the following illustration to describe what this might look like. He says, think of an animal that you're really afraid of, whether it's an angry rhinoceros or a, a large spider. If you came around a, a corner and found yourself facing it, what would you want to do? Run away, of course. Well, as a follower of Jesus, that's how you should feel about a lifestyle of greed, lust, jealousy, injustice, or another sinful pattern. Then think how you'd feel if you saw the person you loved best in the entire world, who you hadn't seen for years, walking down the streets. What would you do? <laughs> you'd chase after him or her, of course. That's that's how you should behave when you think of Jesus and the new life that he is offering you and the whole world. So as we enter into this new year, our goal is to fix our eyes on Jesus, to, to run to Jesus, to embrace Jesus, to embrace his life, embrace his way. It's better. But let me ask you this morning kind of a personal question. What would you like to throw off? We have a choice, you know. A, we're urged in Scripture to do these things because they're in our power and control. I mean, God gives us by his strength and grace. We can do that. What would you choose to throw off? If, what would you not want to pack into the new year? You're, you're dragging some stuff, maybe. <laughs> what, what might you not want to bring into this, this next year? As I was thinking about leaving behind, I couldn't help but think of my Aunt Pauline. Uh, my aunt died of brain cancer just about five or six weeks ago. And uh, her pastor, uh, about three months ago, a uh, 55-year-old man uh, had a brain aneurysm and died over a weekend, which meant that I, I was actually on her, in her will, I was her number two. I wasn't her number one, I was her number two. And so I was suddenly on tap to, to lead her funeral. And, and so I, I went back after she died a few weeks ago and, and, and led her funeral in, in Ontario. And quite honestly, this was a tall order for me. Um, it's never easy actually doing funerals. It's never easy, especially not easy doing a family funeral. And I was, I was feeling a little bit daunted by this and uh, perhaps also feeling like I didn't know my aunt very well. And, and I'll get into that in a moment. But this whole uncertainty, this whole maybe feeling like this, this funeral was going to be a great interruption in my life uh, as I anticipated going back and, and leading in that, that all changed, changed on this Monday morning, the Monday morning where she would die later in the day. On that Monday morning, uh, early in the morning, I had a dream or, or a compelling vision, and, and it was really potent, and it was this sense that I was to go to my aunt and was to ask her forgiveness on behalf of my family. And, and, and I'm... And I woke up, and it was, so, it was as if it had already happened. It was just so real. It was, it was a dramatic incident for me. And uh, suddenly, I, I was viewing, going back with the whole, I, I thought, something's going on here. And it, quite honestly, it was a frustrating dream, too, because my, wife, my, my aunt had already been in a coma by this point in time. She was thousands of miles away. 
on her deathbed in a hospice, and I, I knew I would not have much of a chance to, sh to I, I wouldn't have the chance, the opportunity it looked like, to share these words with her, and I wish I'd had. But it kind of gave me a, a window, I think, from God into some of the pain and hurt that my aunt had gone through. And I, and I didn't know a lot. We, we weren't really close. She lived in the, the U.S. during my childhood, and I only got to know her later. And, and, but as I... Uh, it was interesting, arriving in Ontario, flying in, and, and I got picked up by my eldest cousin. I don't even know her very well, but we spent the next 24 hours together and over a course of, uh, of a long evening supper that first night, she shared with me all this stuff that I didn't know about my aunt, all this, this history, life, her life story. And as I'm hearing this story, I'm realizing, just, man, it's, it was just marked by brokenness and, and pain and family dysfunction and estrangement. And, and it was challenging to hear some of these things. I, she, she, my aunt had hurt people. And she had been hurt by people. And, and by the way, anyone who I think who has lived long enough, you will hurt somebody and be hurt by somebody. It's true. One of the most remarkable things I learned about my aunt was that she kept a file folder down in her basement. It happened to be sitting on her desk, and my cousin found it. And it contained letters received from family members and people in her life, letters that contained hurtful things. There were only hurtful letters in this folder. And really what she kept was a catalog of wrongs said or done against her throughout her life. These, these were 40, 50, 60 years worth of, of letters and notes that she kept in this file folder. It was pretty disturbing what was inside. I think my cousin destroyed the file folder, by the way. I'm grateful for that. And I don't know anybody else who actually has a file folder like that. But I know people who carry around a catalog of, of wrongs and hurts that have been done to them. Offenses that they picked up along the way. Stuff in their heads. Uh, wrongs that they've truly never let go of. Resentment. And it might be a, a people, something that someone did to you. It might be uh, an organization, an institution, uh, maybe even an employer could even be a church, or the church, or God. I know there's those who have a catalog of, of, of disappointments with God that they're kind of holding on to. And I don't know why we hold on to such things, but I know Jesus reserved some of his most serious warnings in the New Testament for those who hold on to bitterness and resentment and, and unforgiveness and what they can do to us. Carrie Fisher uh, passed away this week. Do you, know, do you know who she was? Princess Leia. She's now General Leia. Did you know that? Uh, in light of the, the, the recent Star Wars releases, it's actually been quite a big deal that, uh, that she passed, and, and it's gotten a lot of attention. But uh, she lived a fairly dramatic life. Her life has not been easy and marked by all kinds of trouble, lots of struggles. She's very quotable, though. And I know you've probably heard this before. This is one thing that, that has been attributed to her. She said, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. <laughs> uh, one of my uh, final conversations with my aunt was, do you have any unresolved issues that you need to work out? Uh, that was back in August when I met with her 
felt led to ask her that. I kind of put on my pastor nephew hat for a moment. And I shared these words, those words when I gathered at her funeral last month. I said to the people that gathered there that day, I said, I'm getting on a plane in three hours and I'll be be 3,000 miles away. And so I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say with all the love I can muster is that if you need to forgive or if you need to ask for forgiveness, don't put that off. Do not procrastinate. Don't wait until they are, or you are on their deathbed. Now is the time to make things right. And you could sense it was a God moment, and, and I, I sensed God was moving in that space in that day. And, and afterwards, I, I heard of one, one of my family members went to another family member and asked them for forgiveness for something that they had done. And someone else came to me and said, make sure you go back home. I, I said, we needed to hear that today, but they need to hear that too. And they told me to come back and tell you what I told them. And so here I am. I'm fulfilling that promise. And here's the thing. As Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to its own way. And, and as I've said before, just like sheep, we tend to, to wander. We, we stray from God's good design for our lives. We get caught up in stuff that doesn't matter. We, we can find ourselves trying to, to find life and figure out life by ourselves. And sometimes we carry baggage with us that just trips us up. But, but there's good news. If we're like sheep, we're told also that God is the good shepherd who knows everything about us. He knows everything about you, all of it. And he doesn't just know the shiny bits that we show to the world. He knows our fears. He knows what we're anxious about as we enter this new year. Uh, he, he knows our hidden faults, our, our hidden failures, and yet he doesn't run. He's the good shepherd who, in spite of our brokenness, he lays down his life for the sheep. And he does this for me, and he has done this for you. Can I tell you the final good thing about my aunt? <laughs> in the week before she died, she said to my cousin, she says, I am so glad that God has wiped my slate clean. She'd only been given three months to live. She lived for seven, and I think that in, along the way somehow God was working out some of that stuff that she needed to let go. And I think if she'd had the chance, she herself would have destroyed that boulder. I believe that. But can you think of a better way to enter the new year, this new year, than with a clean slate? Well, that's what this is all about. It's clean slate time, people. <laughs> Jesus offers us a clean slate. He offers forgiveness freely granted and all we need to do is own up and, 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 and not try and pretend that the baggage isn't there. Pretend that we're, we're you know, we're all together. It actually is, as we're going to look at this next month, he actually really blesses those who know they're broken. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who figured out that they don't have it all worked out and that they need God. And this is the ultimate statement, this, the bread and the cup is the ultimate reminder that Jesus has done whatever was necessary so that we might not have to carry on with carrying that baggage in our lives. Our, our slates can be wiped clean, and your slate can be wiped clean today again. And I, I, I believe we need to do this again and again. I, I, we should probably do communion every time we gather. We don't. Um, but we should remind ourselves often that we just need this cleansing power of Christ in our life. Uh, 
this, this fall, my brother came and visited, and it was kind of embarrassing. We were having this gathering to send Caleb off. We had this gathering of friends over, and, and my brother was helping and, and vacuum the house, and he said, this vacuum's stuck. It's not working. Have you emptied the, the vacuum thing? And uh, it was really embarrassing because he followed me out to where my vacuum canister was, and he, we unhooked it together, and we, <laughs> it was jammed to the gills with dust and dirt. I mean, it, there was no way that was sucking one more grain of, of, of dirt from our house, and we had to dump it out. <laughs> and uh, that thing sucks really well until actually, funny enough, yesterday it needed to be cleaned again. Turns out it accumulates. And, and so I, this morning, I, I want to ask you again, and, and maybe this, take this opportunity today to ask the Lord, what is there in my life that you want me to leave behind? Leave at the cross. Uh, it might be uh, that you have somebody that you need to forgive or, or receive forgiveness from. Uh, maybe it's a regret. Maybe you've been worried about something, and it's time you actually brought that worry to Jesus. This isn't the last time you're going to need to do this, but I think it's a significant moment that you might be willing to take that step today. So why don't we just take, Lincoln's going to play some quiet music. Why don't we take some, some time just to reflect and pray, God, is there something that you want me to leave behind so that I can strain, so I can look forward and, and chase the prize that is Christ, the freedom and, and the goodness that he has for me? So, so ask him, Lord, what is it today? It might even be sin you need to confess today. You know, it might be, it might be something where it's not been just a mistake. <laughs> it's not been somebody else's fault. When it comes down to it, it's, it's on you. You, you, you got to kind of say, my bad. And uh, we're told he, he or she who confessed their sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us that sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, if, if God's putting, putting something that, that, you know, you've just been wrong, just bring that to him. He, he promises to forgive.
Is there someone that God is asking you to forgive today? You just go, uh, what they did was hurtful, uh, wrong. But you're meant to let it go. Let go of that offense. Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me this morning we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together this, this great gift of the juice that represents the, the blood of Jesus and uh, the bread that represents his body given freely for you and me. And as you receive it, uh, we're going to have a, a couple stations here, two, two pairs and go to either one you know, come down the front. And if you need gluten free, please request that. But as you come, they're going to speak just a, a word of blessing over you. Uh, but come knowing that uh, you didn't earn this gift. It's a gift. And God freely, freely gives his love and his grace and his forgiveness, and he wants to offer that to you this morning. So, uh, servers, would you come? And then feel free to make your way forward as, as you wish. <laughs>